Once is an accident, twice is a coincidence, but three times is enemy action. The following is the audio version of a video released at peakprosperity.com. Visit peakprosperity.com to watch the video and to find other insightful content such as articles, discussion forums, and exclusive subscriber-only content. Hello everyone, Dr. Chris Martinson here. Glad to be back with you. Boy, we got a really big show for you today. Today we're going to be talking about uh, what's the best explanation for what we're seeing going on out there in the world. A lot of huge things happening this past week, so let's get right to it. And I'm going to start today with Occam's razor, uh, very much simplified down to this idea that usually the simplest explanation is the best explanation. So instead of getting all complicated, what's all the, the you know, like the movie Syriana, which has a hugely complicated plot line, sometimes the simplest explanation is the best one. But not always. So I got to tell you, I was a little bit shocked when I ran across this. Uh, this came across my Twitter feed. This is an interview with Fauci in 2019 sounding suspiciously like the FLCCC doctors, Pierre Corey and Paul Merrick in early 2020 or myself all through 2020, or a lot of people who talked about this. See if you can recognize these words. I know you haven't heard them from Fauci in 2020, not since coronavirus, but listen to him in 2019. See what you hear. See if you hear the same thing I'm hearing. Prevent getting an infectious disease and having to have you as my doctor is what? Um, wearing a mask. No, um, no, no. I don't need to do that. <laughs> you, um, if somebody's, I can see they're ready, ready to sneeze or cough, you, walk away. You avoid all the paranoid aspects and okay. do something positive. A, good diet. B, you don't smoke, I know. I know you don't drink, at least not very much, so that's pretty good. Get some exercise. I know that you don't get as much exercise as yes, you should. That's correct. Get good sleep. I think the, the normal, low-tech, healthy things okay. are the best thing that you can do, David, is stay healthy. All right, well, I'm going to try to do that, and hopefully when I next see you, I will be even healthier than I am today. I, I would imagine you would be, and I look forward to that. Thank you very much. My Get good sleep, have a good diet, eat appropriately, don't be stressed out, get exercise. <laughs> so that's Fauci in 2019, the world's apparent alleged infectious disease expert saying, don't get all paranoid. You don't need a mask. Don't worry about sick people. Just eat well, sleep well, be low stress, get, get good exercise. So, um... I have to invoke a, a corollary to Occam's razor at this point, which would be this, which is Hanlon's razor, which is never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. So we have a choice between it. Like, who, which Fauci is this? Who is this Fauci? So somehow Fauci in 2019 knew that the best course for, to avoid an infectious disease or have the best run of having an infectious disease in a human being would be to eat well, exercise, sleep, take care of uh, your body and he even mentions vitamins somewhere in that in that interview. So that's him in 2019. He lost that completely in 2020 he won, and 2021. Now, apparently, a vaccine is the only way you can possibly uh, achieve the sorts of things that he was talking about there. So I'm going to be really generous. I'm going to say that somehow Fauci forgot about the principles of infectious diseases and how you can remain healthy against them. I'm going to be really generous, and we're just going to do a coin flip. So today we're doing 50-50, and we're going to do coin flips. We flip it, 50% chance, hey, maybe he just forgot. Maybe we're going to have to invoke Hanlon's uh, razor. He's just very busy, 
of an age, he just forgot all about the uh, principles of how to avoid infectious diseases. So just hold that. Um, now we have to turn to this curious case of the cases. Uh, there's this really great article by David Zweig comes out in the Atlantic very recently. And um, let's see, get my drawing tool out here because uh, this was awesome. And the reason I like this is it, they really went through the data and they were looking at uh, what does it mean? What, what even is a case, right? And there's a new study that suggests that almost half of those hospitalized with COVID-19 have mild or asymptomatic cases. In other words, they're not in the hospital because they have COVID, but they're being counted as COVID cases. A really cool uh, set of studies here that they're talking about. Uh, they say here at least 12,000 Americans have already died from COVID this month as the country inches through its latest surge in cases. Of course, you've heard about them, right? They're all over the newspapers. Hospitals are swamped. You know, they can't even uh, find places to put heart attack victims on and on and on. We've all heard about it. But another worrying statistic is often cited to depict the dangers of this moment. The number of patients hospitalized with COVID-19 in the United States right now is as high as it's, as it's been since the beginning of February. It's even worse in certain places. Some states, including Arkansas and Oregon, recently saw their COVID-19 hospitalizations rise to higher levels than at any prior stage of the pandemic. But how much do these latter figures really tell us? This is where it gets fascinating. Check this out. The study found that from March of 2020 through early January 21, so March 2020, January 21, before vaccination was widespread. So there's really no reason to, if there was any sort of a, an intent to claim that certain things were working or not working as well, but this is pre-vaccination. And before the Delta variant arrived, which certainly changes things a lot. The proportion of patients with mild or asymptomatic disease was 36% in the hospitals, right? But from mid-January to the end of June in 2021, however, that number rose to 48%. That's really big, 36 to 48%. In other words, the study suggests that roughly half, half of all the hospitalized patients showing up on COVID data dashboards in 2021 may have been admitted for another reason entirely or only had a mild presentation of the disease. In other words, they're not in the hospital because of COVID. They happen to be there with COVID. We've heard a lot about this. Kids showing up with a respiratory syncytial virus, RSV. They show up. That's what they're presenting for. They get tested. They also have been exposed to COVID. That shows up somehow on the test, even if we're using these PCR tests, which, uh, as we all know, a little bit uh, not the most reliable tests out there. And then, but they still get scored and counted and recorded as COVID cases in the hospital system. So the, why I call this the curious case of the cases is it, but when we started this pandemic, it was really clear there was an infection, which could have been pre-symptomatic or asymptomatic. It merely meant you had a detected virus load in you, but you were preclinical or pre-presentation to the medical system. Once you had presented to the medical system, you became a case because your symptoms had progressed to the point where you needed to go into the hospital or present to your doctor. That was a case, right? Uh, and then as well, we would have other sort of gradations when you're in the hospital. How serious were you when you were in the hospital? Were, you, were your oxygen sats below 90? Uh, things like that. So even within the hospital, we wouldn't just say hospital, yes or no, binary, black or white. In the hospital, there'd be other gradations. Well, that all got thrown out. And now... 
anybody who's detected with a PCR test to have COVID is called a case. And we lost this whole definition of what a case really is. So uh, what do we think the odds are? Let's just, again, be very generous. We'll just give a coin flip here and say the CDC somehow between 2019 and 20 and 21 forgot how to define a case and accidentally started defining them in a way that boosted the number of reported hospitalizations. So just happened, right? Uh, again, Hanlon's razor. Let's just let's never assign to malice what we can to stupidity, I guess. Um, so now we got two things. And if you start tracking the little formula at the bottom, 50% times 50% means there was about a 25% chance of those two things happening, assuming we're okay with the 50% uh, odds on that. As well, uh, oops, um, there was this shocking video came out, which was senior doctors and a marketing director at a North Carolina hospital discussed inflating COVID-19 numbers by counting recovered patients in their hospital system as active COVID patients. Quote, we need to be more scary to the public. If you don't get vaccinated, you know you're going to die. So they wanted to, uh, and maybe their intentions were pure because their intentions were we want more people to get vaccinated and the vaccines are protective against more serious outcomes. And the way they decided to go about that, though, was to fib or lie about how many actual COVID patients they had in their hospital. And of course, those feed into the headlines and the headlines become the fear and people get very fearful. And once you have enough fear in a system, you get to that mass psychosis thing, which we've been talking about at Peak Prosperity a lot. By the way, if you want to hear the deeper thinking behind any of this, you would come to peakprosperity.com. We've got an incredible community of people. A lot of my YouTube listeners have come over and joined the community. It's been fabulous. Uh, so we have great discussions going on. We're going to be talking about this a little bit more as well as uh, various public figure responses to all of this. So the, the local hospitals somehow uh, all of a sudden felt comfortable redefining COVID to inflate cases to help boost vaccine acceptance. What were the odds of that? Again, let's be generous and just say, fitty-fitty. Uh, <laughs> so now, along the bottom, we're at a 12.5% chance of this happening uh, all on its own. But let's go further. So here we have Anthony Fauci very recently coming on. And I got I just picked this up, I think, two days ago. So this is uh, uh, fairly recently done. And so today is September 14th. So I think I picked this up on the 12th, 11th or 12th. Let's listen in. The overwhelming proportion of the population vaccinated, we will get to herd immunity. If we do it in the next six months, it will happen in the next six months. If we do it in the next two months, it'll happen in the next two months. There you go. Dr. Fauci saying if we can get everybody vaccinated, uh, we'll get to herd immunity. So he said that just very recently. The reason I pulled that out is because we have a lot of scientific papers out there right now, which uh, talks about this, which is that herd immunity is not possible with two things happening, declining effectiveness or waning effectiveness of the vaccines over time. So people who are vaccinated can still, of course, contract and replicate SARS-CoV-2, the virus, and even progress on to COVID. Um, so given that leakiness, it's very difficult to do as well. We have these immune escape variants are starting to pop up with Delta sort of being an example of one that's uh, turned out to be remarkably good at evading the current crop of vaccines. All right. So this study reveals declining COVID-19 vaccine efficacy against infection. This is back in August. So this is a full three weeks before Anthony Fauci made a statement about herd immunity. And so this data is out in the, very much in the public sphere. Post-COVID-19 vaccine immunity seems to be waning. True. According to a report published yesterday, 
Uh, in the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report, so that's the CDC itself, uh, today's report uh, tracked the cohort through August 14th, incorporating over four more months of data that include a time period in which the Delta variant uh, swept through the country and found that overall vaccine effectiveness dipped to 66% in the weeks in which the variant accounted for at least uh, 50% of SARS-CoV-2 viruses sequenced. So we have two things showing up here, uh, declining effectiveness and as well the Delta variant uh, popping all the way down to 66% vaccine effectiveness against the, against the, the Delta variant. So given that, this guy probably ought to know what the CDC data is up to. He's certainly more than capable. Uh, billions and billions of dollars, thousands of scientists are in his possession. So he should be able to parse through data like this, which says, uh, is it even possible to achieve herd immunity when you have declining or waning effectiveness and immunoscape variants? The answer is no, of course not. So uh, we have to add one more 50% thing down here. Fauci doesn't yet know. We're going to be very generous. He just hasn't heard yet that herd immunity cannot be reached with the current vaccines, given uh, these uh, the Delta variant and other variants like that. By the way, some really not fun variants coming along, um, uh, the Mu, as well as some other ones that are newly, I don't even think they've been named yet, um, but we're seeing some uh, very odd mutations showing up in the spike protein, which I just, I think Geert Vandenbosch is going to be right at some point. We'll see a breakthrough on that. All right. Um, how about this? Uh, the CDC, it's still promoting on its front page when you ask the question, uh, what does natural immunity offer? You go to the CDC, they have a media statement, boom, they're saying, hey, new CDC study, vaccination offers higher protection than previous COVID-19 infection. It's not actually what this study showed. The headline is wrong. Um, that study we went through in a prior episode, that study actually shows uh, that people who had both prior infection and a, a vaccine were, were more highly protected. But the headline is actually wrong. But this is also a really tiny Kentucky study. They had just a few hundred people that they were able to parse through a giant database. And as well, we're not as we're not as comfortable. I'm not comfortable that that data that they had was actually good or accurate compared to the Israeli data that we also covered, which was this study here comparing SARS-CoV-2 natural immunity to vaccine-induced immunity, reinfections versus breakthrough infections. Um, again, this came out uh, right around. Uh, October, sorry, August 24th. Conclusions. Natural immunity confers longer lasting and stronger protection against infection, symptomatic disease, and hospitalization caused by the Delta variant of SARS-CoV-2 compared to BNT162B2, which is aka the Pfizer vaccine, uh, two-dose vaccine-induced immunity. So that came out, um, this came out August 6th. There's a much better, much stronger study that came out August 24th. Again, CDC has billions of dollars, thousands of scientists. I have a Comcast connection. I found this. Uh, I think they could have found it too. So let's be generous and say uh, down here, the chance that the CDC hasn't heard about the Israeli natural immunity study would be super generous, 50%. So now we take um, one, two, three, four, five, 50%. We multiply them by each other. And now there's only like a 3.12% chance that all of this was happening just by coin flip accident, uh, being our generous 50-50 part. How about this one? Uh, the India state of Uttar Pradesh, pretty big state, has about 228 million people in it. They had this Delta spike come in through here. 
Uh, they used something, which I will highlight up here, and this was their response. Look at this. Look at their cases. Seven-day average. 23. In, a, in 228 million total cases detected 23, and their death count, same thing, uh, is, is just through the floor. So you would think in the world of public health, something you would do is you would get curious about that, and you'd say, hmm, I wonder what they're up to. So let's be generous and say that the chance that nobody at this NIH, CDC, or FDA has bothered to check in on what the heck Rudar Pradesh is doing, we'll call that 50%. Uh, and now we're down to a 1.56% chance that this just sort of happened accidentally. Uh, and so on and so forth. So <clears throat> you might be thinking, though, and I know you are because uh, you're smart that way, 50%, there's no way. There's, there's, if, if, if we know about all these things, there's almost zero chance that the CDC and Fauci and all these people don't know about these things as well. So let's readjust those odds and just let's call it a 1090 situation. The chance that Fauci forgot about the principles of infectious disease, let's just dial that all the way back to just 10%. And uh, same thing, CDC forgot how to define a case. We'll peg that at 10%. Uh, local hospitals all on their own decided they could just redefine how they were going to score uh, recovered patients without uh, feeling that they were able to do that uh, institutionally and legally and, and politically. 10%. Fauci doesn't yet know that herd immunity cannot be reached with these current vaccines. That's not. There are other aims that are perfectly defensible, but that one is not logically defensible. Put that at 10%. How about chance the CDC hasn't heard about the natural immunity studies? Uh, 10%. Chance that nobody bothered to check in on what's going on at Uttar Pradesh and tried to figure that out. 10%. So we multiply that string of six 10% together, and now we find that the resulting chance of that is 0.0001%. Chance of that happening completely by accident. Which brings us back to my opening statement. Once is an accident. Twice is coincidence. But three times is enemy action. What about six times in a row? These are the kinds of um, misstatements, nudges, and I understand, I listen, I totally get it. I understand many of these institutions and individuals feel like they can't be completely honest because if they are, then somehow people will read that wrong and just use that as ammunition to not do what they consider the right things to do for them to do. Totally understand that point of view. And for the thinking people out there who are really paying attention to all of this, every one of these things erodes the trust that we need in order to feel like we're getting information that we can actually make a good decision on and things like that. So, so uh, you know me, I would totally, totally, totally support an open policy of complete honesty and openness. If some people are going to take completely open, good information and be idiots with it, they're going to be idiots with it. The rest of us are going to make good decisions off of that. By the way, I have a lot more faith in my fellow man than a lot of other people seem to because I truly believe that if you give people good, complete, solid information that doesn't trigger their BS meters, they'll make good decisions off of that. I really do believe in that. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm, just, um, maybe I'm just a little naive on that. All right. So my conclusion, it really doesn't have to be that way, this way, and it didn't have to be that way or this way. It, 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 the chance that everything being happened along, as I just laid out, it's really an improbable string of chances here. That means somebody wanted it to be this way. We can all fill in the blanks around why that is. But please, 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 please start working on your personal 
and family resilience. Please. Part two of this, which is going to continue over at my website at Peak Prosperity, I'm going to be talking about the economic impacts of this, the fact that a lot of this is really looking like a very creepy totalitarianism, and I think this has enormous impacts that are going to be coming forward. So we're going to be talking about that and how to become resilient, because I truly believe that we're this next few years are going to be even more turbulent than anything we've seen so far. What do I mean by resilient? Hey, it means you're able to attend to some of your own basic needs within yourself, within your household, within your community. And I think the more we have that resilience, first off, the better we all feel. Because being completely reliant on a system that you have doubts about, it's not exactly comforting. So I want you to be living a life that's stress-free, happy, fulfilled, full of meaning and purpose. And it means in, in many ways we have to just tune out uh, the messaging that's happening from the system, which is which is giving us a lot of conflicting messages, if not false messages. And so those, those have a very corrosive effect, both on our trust in the system as well um, on our overall uh, sense of well-being that, that we might carry through our life. So if you want to support us, please like this video. If you get something from it, share it. That's the way that these messages get around. Uh, and if you want to follow us right down there, all the ways you can, you can follow us in, in across the world, the most important one is at peakprosperity.com. We have an incredible tribe of people there. We have a special offer running all the time for YouTube listeners, which you can find right here or in the link in the description down below uh, this particular video. So with that, hey, thanks very much for listening. Come by Peak Prosperity. Again, click this link if you want to take the special offer to find part two of this and uh, join the conversation. We've got wonderful, wonderful people making just incredible contributions to the overall conversation. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time.